How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Well, what night is it, Garrett? It's our favorite night. What night is that? That's Tuesday it's night. It's Tuesday night. It's our favorite night of the week. Guys, welcome to episode number 51 of How About That Cigar Live. As always, we are here at Sodi's in the Drew Estate Traveling Cigar Studios. And Drew Estate wants to tell you that the Pappy Van Winkle tradition will now be sold exclusively through PappyCo.com. Drew Estate is honored to represent the Van Winkle family with an ultra-premium cigar that reinforces the legacy of an American icon, Julian Van Winkle. The Pappy Van Winkle tradition features an Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper, Indonesian binder, and aged fillers from Nicaragua and the Dominican Republic. Jonathan Drew, founder and president of Drew Estate, says, We are thrilled to be providing the daughters of Julian Van Winkle, owners of PappyCo.com, with an exclusive cigar that is deeply aligned with the core value of their culture and tradition and that matches the legacy of their brand. The Pappy Van Winkle tradition is available in, in a 55 by 54 and 6 by 50 Toro. Find them now exclusively at pappyco.com. Well, Garrett, we're back, as always, on Tuesday night. It is episode number 51. And, you know, we talk about sports. We talk about this and that. There's not much of that going on. Everybody's kind of been a little bit on lockdown. How's your lockdown been? Uh, actually, hang on. Oh, are we having... Uh... We are. Okay. Oh, all right. Hold on a sec. No, it says we're live. Um, it says we're live. Hey, guys, if you can hear us and see us, let us know. It says we're live. That's what Facebook says. That's what the StreamYard says. Please hold for uh, technical difficulties. I'm seeing some people check in. Yep. Okay. Okay. We are live. Well, thank you for that. Sorry. Uh... Thanks, everybody. Yeah, we're live. It's all good. And, and and the way things have been going, you know, in the uh, in the world we live in right now, with uh, there's a lot of bandwidth being used, and that's just kind of the way things are right now. There's a lot of people home. There's a lot of people using bandwidth that doesn't typically get used. So, um, you know, things are what they are, and we're uh, we're going to power through it. It's no big deal. Uh, we're really excited to have you guys watching and listening. Uh, if you're listening on the audio podcast after the fact, thanks so much for spending some time while you're driving in your car or working out or whatever it is you do when you listen to audio podcasts. Uh, Garrett, how's your lockdown been? Well, uh, I've got a uh, spouse and three children, and I am grateful to be here. Yeah, yeah, it's that's uh, about it. You know, sometimes you just got to take the, uh, you know, take the little things and uh, and be grateful for them and uh, move on. Yeah, you know, and uh, no, it's it's been it's actually been all right. The kids have been behaving, um, which is a, a huge win yeah, in my household. That's a win. I'll take it. Um, and you know, we all kind of have nested in our in our little places, yeah. and yeah, it's kind of the same way for us. We, uh, you know, I've. I, I work from home occasionally now for the last couple of weeks. I work from home all the time, but um, now the kids are getting used to doing school from home, which is really new for them. So they're getting used to figuring out how to do that. I've been helping them along the way. And uh, I'm really fortunate that my wife is a teacher, so she knows all the ins and outs of, you know, how some of these online systems work for their schooling. And uh, she also is really good at keeping the kids on task, which I'm maybe not so good at. Right. So uh, no, I, hear I struggle keeping on keeping on task myself, let alone trying to keep uh, <coughs> trying to keep three kids on task. So 
but it's been it's been good. You know, we just have to, uh, um, you know, it, it, uh, those of us in the in the cigar culture, you know, those of us who love to sit down together and enjoy cigars and enjoy conversation that everything that goes along with the cigar culture. You know, we talked about this last week. We want to talk about it again. We're here in the Twin Cities area, Minnesota. And wherever you are in the country, in the world, wherever you are, you know, hopefully the cigar shops that are in your area are still available for phone orders and curbside pickup. If they are, yep. call call your brick and mortar shops and the cigars that you love to smoke, call them and say, I want five of these or I want a box of these or I want, you know, just put me together a random sampler uh, for X amount of dollars, pay for it with your credit card over the phone and go pick them up. Please, during this time, please continue to support your local brick and mortar cigar shops. Because Cubans, yeah, you know that. Yeah, ask them if they have Cubans yep. because they love they, they love, love to hear that question, especially in the States. They love that. Um, so, yeah, just keep supporting your brick and mortar yeah, shops. Yeah, please. Yeah. Yep. And if you happen to live in an area where, you know, there and some people live in a really, you know, outside area where there are no brick and mortar shops within any decent driving distance, then support your favorite online retailer. Um, and if it's an online retailer that happens to also be attached to a brick and mortar shop, um, you know, all the better. Uh, but we want to uh, we want to bring in uh, our special guest this evening. And as always, our special guest is brought to you by. Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com. They are the Internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. At CoronaCigar.com, they take pride in being cigar fanatics just like you and me. That is why you will find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available in the world. You will also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. For more info on all of that, please visit coronacigar.com and floridasungrown.com. Guys, we are really excited this evening. Uh, This is a brand that I've been a fan of for for quite a while. Um, And uh, it's a really really interesting brand from every aspect, from the blends to the design and everything in between. Uh, So we want to bring to you from Black Label Trading Company, Mr. James Brown. James, welcome to How About That Cigar Live. How are you doing? Thanks, guys. I'm good. Happy to be here. Fantastic. Awesome. So you, you're in Nicaragua. You live there full time. Uh, how are things in Nicaragua right now? Uh, things are pretty good. I mean, you know, for the most part, pretty much, uh, you know, life as usual. Things are kind of just going as normal. So, you know, we're uh, we're doing our thing and keeping it moving. That's good. And you, uh, your factory, your cigar factory. Um, uh, Oveja Negra, you said, or before we went live, you said that you are still operational. Is that correct? At this point we are. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, so we, uh, we talked to a lot of people on the show, James, and we're, you know, we, we love learning from the people who are in this business, people who are in this culture, you know, uh, because everybody's got unique stories, uh, you know, as far as, um, the people there, there are a lot of people who were born and raised in tobacco. And then a lot of people who uh, came into it, you know, later in life and uh, developed a passion, uh, you know, when they were um, had already been working in other businesses. Um, So give us an idea, um, sort of the, you know, the, the, the version of your origin story, as far as where you, you know, the, the kind of business that you were in before cigars and what, 
what sort of lit that fire to bring you where from where you were into the premium cigar business? Um, yeah, so I'll give you kind of the, the short version of a long story. Um, you know, I, I started out uh, in the wine industry. I was a sommelier for a lot of years. That's mm-hmm. kind of when I started becoming interested in cigars, more of a cigar enthusiast. Uh, I worked at a restaurant where the owner of the restaurant owned a chain of cigar stores, and that kind of uh, got me uh, uh, really excited about cigars and, and what they could be and, and really interested in it. And so fast forward quite a number of years, my wife and I were living in uh, Guatemala at the time. We owned a, a adventure travel company that specialized doing trips all over Central America. Um, and so as a cigar smoker, I really wanted to start including Esteli and the factories there uh, as part of our tour. And so over the years, I got to know a lot of people there, got to really uh, become interested in the manufacturing side. Um, You know, in my free time, I was just kind of hanging out in SLE and learning as much as I could about tobacco, uh, about cigar blending, and really that whole process of uh, on the manufacturing side. And, uh, you know, over time, I decided to kind of try my hand at blending cigars and started making cigars for our travel company, uh, for our customers to smoke on the trips. And people just kind of fell in love with the product and wanted to know how they could buy more when the trip was over. And that sparked the idea to, you know, possibly start a brand and and do it as kind of a more serious undertaking. Um, And so, you know, this was over the span of uh, about four years. And so we decided to, to launch black label and, you know, the rest is history. And uh, what were you smoking at that time? What was your jam? I really didn't have anything specifically because I, you know, I was not living in the U S at the time. I I haven't been living in the U S for almost the last 18 years. So I kind of was just smoking what I could when I could. And most of what I was smoking at that time was a lot of stuff from, uh, you know, the factories and things like that, like fresh rolled, uh, things like that. And I started, playing around with blends on my own. And for a long time, I was really just trying to train my palate on individual tobaccos. And, you know, for about almost two years, I was really just smoking Caritos of, you know, Jalapa Seco for two weeks, just to really train my palate. I kind of took the, what I learned as a sommelier and applied it to tobacco, which is really profile. Okay, getting a little bit of audio breakup from you, James. Yeah, sorry. It's just the nature of the internet. We're getting a little bit of a breakup there. Uh, when we when we hear that, uh, we're just going to kind of fill in with uh, what, uh, what we can fill in with, and we'll uh, try and hit it again. Um, okay. So 18 years in uh, Central South America, and uh, from wine to cigars – is wine still, you know, a love? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I'm still very passionate about wine. Uh, I'm actually very happy to be more on the consumer side of it than I was on the (laughs) the industry side at this point. So, uh, now I get to just kind of sit back and enjoy it. Awesome. Now when you spent time as a, just, and this is curiosity, when you spent time as a sommelier, did you, were you on the restaurant side or the, or, or the winery side? Um, I was on the restaurant side and then also on the uh, the retail side for a lot of years. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Cause I, I've been learning a little bit about that. I, uh, I've, I've gotten to know somebody who's, uh, spent some time doing that. And, uh, I never really realized how many facets there were to, to sommeliers. There, there, you know, they, there are so many different ways to be a sommelier that I honestly never knew. And it really kind of, uh, uh, blew me away when I learned that. Um, so give us the idea behind when you first, like you said, you started, um, you know, we had the adventure travel company and you were already a, a, a fan and a, and a lover of premium cigars, but then you started working on some of your own, um, some of your own blends to, to have as part of the tour and things like that. But when did, um, what kind of a relationship did you have prior to starting your own factory? Um, how did you get those blends made and, and where did you develop those sort of factory relationships? Uh, and then how did that then springboard into, uh, opening Oveja Negra? So yeah, through through the tours we were doing, I got to meet a lot of people on the manufacturing side. Um, and a factory that we visited, um, a guy named Armando Leva, who's now our production manager at Oveja Negra, uh, he and I just kind of really hit it off. Um, in, I, in my downtime, I just kind of spent my time shadowing him, learning as much as I could from him. And he was the one that, that got me, you know, really interested in being able to make my own cigar. Uh, and so I just learned everything that I could from him and, and then started to go from there. Uh, but everything was done through that factory, uh, which is no longer around anymore. And, you know, it's kind of the approach that we took was the opposite of most companies uh, that are on the market today. You know, we started kind of from the opposite end. in the United States involved with uh, cigars, uh, you know, no, no reps, nobody really in any cigar groups or anything like that. So it really started on the Nicaraguan side. Cool. And then when, uh, when Oveja Negra started as a, as a factory, um, what kind of, what kind of scale are we talking about? Because I've, I've been to, and I know a lot of people who are really into cigars and, you know, people who watch shows and listen to podcasts like this, you know, they've been able to go to Nicaragua or Dominican Republic and take some cigar factory tours and um, maybe see cigar factories of, you know, small scale and really massive scale cigar factories. When you first, you know, opened your own doors uh, and, and hired your own rollers and things like that, what kind of scale are we talking about when you got going? Uh, in 2015, when we opened Oveja, it was very small scale. Um, so we were in a, a much smaller space than we are now. Uh, it was a converted uh, house, basically. Um, we started with four teams uh, for a little while. When we first started, we had two teams and then went up to four. Very small aging room. Um, everything was just kind of a micro scale, uh, so to speak. Yeah. And then um, when you... Uh, you're in a you're in a new larger uh, larger factory now. Is that a facility that you built, or was that just a existing building that you refitted? Um, it was a building that was there. Uh, it had been a, a box factory for a long time, and then it was pretty much abandoned for about the last twenty years. Uh, so we had to come in and completely do a, a build out. You know, it was just basically walls, a ceiling. There was no floor. There were no you know facilities at all. So we did the the build out on it. Okay. 
And what was the, when things first got going, um, what would you say is the, is the first uh, blend or the first brand or facing that, that came out that carried the Black Label Trading Company name? Uh, well, we did, we kind of went at things a little bit differently, you know, because like I said, we had no real experience and no input from anybody in the industry. Um, so we just did things the way we wanted to do them. And I think that was a, a really good thing for us. So when we launched Black Label, we actually launched with six lines. Um, you know, most people start with one or two lines, you know, a couple different sizes. But for us, it was really important to to build a brand, you know, not not just a cigar. So we really wanted to come out with a full offering. Um, you know, we wanted it to be a good representation of what we can do and have, uh, you know, things in that portfolio, in that lineup that are going to be, you know, pretty much something for everybody. And so we went out with the, with six uh, lines that are now our, our core line. And um, of those, of those core lines, um, this is something that I've asked a few people and I've, I've always been curious kind of with each person, if you, if you had to, you know, put yourself in one of these, you know, desert Island kind of scenarios for, for you personally, as a, as a cigar lover, if you had to choose one of your core lines that just, was going to be your desert island cigar that you had to be that that's the one you're going to be left with. What is the one that just of your blends that really just speaks to you? Uh, last rights, absolutely. Last rights, okay. No question. And what is what yeah, is I it mean, specifically about that blend that really that really gets you? Well, last rights kind of has a really special place for me because it's the first cigar that I blended on my own, and it's also the cigar that I blended for you know, my personal wheelhouse, my, my personal palette of what I wanted, you know, out of a Nicaraguan cigar. So, uh, that's a very special cigar to me. Um, so it is that cigar that not only was it the first cigar, but it's definitely the one that is kind of perfectly in what I like to smoke. Okay. Um, and Garrett and I fired up mm-hmm. some, uh, some cigars here. Garrett, what, which one did you fire I got up? The Salvation. The Salvation. And um, so give us give us an idea about the um, the blend profile for the Salvation. And for those watching and listening that may be new to your brand, um, what can they expect from a profile from the Salvation? Yeah, I mean, for us, for the cigars that we make, I would say the Salvation is going to be probably pretty straight up medium for most people. Um, what I like about the Salvation is that it has a really nice level of complexity with kind of layers of spice that come and go throughout the smoking experience. Um, you know, and it's a Ecuadorian sun grown wrapper. Uh, so it's a really beautiful cigar. It also has, uh, you know, some nice creaminess on the finish. And so like we try to do with all of our cigars, I think it's a very well balanced, uh, medium bodied cigar, but definitely has a lot of complexity to it. hundred percent. That's exactly what i'm getting there you go um and i fired up the this industry which is one of the blackwork studio so give um you know for for the black blackwork studio side of things um those cigars are you know they're they're sort of on their own but they're also part of the family as a whole and and where did the um where did the inspiration come from for the blackwork studio side of things is, you know, the way that I describe it is Black Label 
you know, it came out late 2012, early 2013. The idea with Black Label, like I said before, was to have kind of something for everybody. You know, we wanted a really good mix uh, in the core line to kind of hit a lot of different flavor profiles, a lot of different, you know, people's palates and what they like to smoke. Um, you know, we chose Vitolas that we thought were going to be, uh, you know, very popular sort of mainstream Vitolas. And then, uh, you know, fast forward to 2015 when we opened Oveja and in the factory, we wanted to, you know, we treat the factory very much like a studio. You know, it's a creative space where we're constantly trying new things and, and developing new things. And so Blackworks Studio kind of grew out of that. You know, it was, uh, I had a lot of sort of blends on the shelf that didn't really fit the, the black label mold. And and so we decided to launch a brand that was going to, you know, highlight the artisanal qualities of cigar making from the factory, um, you know, and we wanted them to be cigars that are, you know, more geared towards cigar enthusiasts, you know, cigar nerds. And so they're all, you know, going to be in smaller Vitolas, smaller ring gauges, very limited amount of Vitolas. Um, and they're all made in, you know, small batch, 100 hundred box batches at a time. And then we also have, you know, kind of more complex things like the killer in it, uh, things like that, that, that kind of, you know, take a lot of time, but really show what our rollers and what our teams can do when it comes to making cigars. And uh, tell us a little bit about the, the artwork and the nomenclature that you're using in uh, some of these different brands and, and the, uh, the process and what that looks like for you guys. Yeah. So, I mean, the art kind of comes, it goes in two different directions. You know, I do all the artwork uh, for all uh-huh. the brands on the lines. And, you know, at the end of the day, the, the brands are, are a reflection of me, you know, and, and, and they kind of, I wanted brands that kind of speak to, to who I am. And, and, you know, I think it's very important for each cigar to have its own identity and to kind of tell a story and, um, you know, some cigars, the blend comes around first and then we smoke it for a while and, and, and then figure out, you know, what we're going to, what the artwork's going to be, what we're going to call it. Uh, and then sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes we have an idea for some, you know, really cool artwork and a name and, and we kind of build the cigar around that. Or like, you know, okay, you know, Boondock was a good example of that. I knew I wanted to do a Boondock cigar and then it was just kind of building, okay, what is that cigar what's it going to be? What should it be? What it should it taste like? So, um, yeah, the process just kind of goes either way. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, all the, all the art, all the, all the cigars, the brands, everything is just kind of a representation of, of myself. And awesome. The, um, so some of the, like you were talking about boondock and then there's uh Bishop's blend. Some of those, uh, more, uh, limited release, you know, that, that come out in small batches once a year, uh, and some maybe not once a year, but they're more definitely limited and and people really seek after those. What are um, oh, hold on a second. It looks like I'm getting another little blip on the radar here saying that yeah. we're having a broadcast issue. Um, hold on here. Can you still hear us, James? Yeah, I hear you fine. OK, okay. yeah. The stream provider saying there's a issue streaming to Facebook. If you guys are on Facebook and you see us and hear us, give me a shout because I'm seeing a little uh, blip here. Hold on one second.
internet is no we're good so we're streaming to uh our youtube stream is good it's our facebook stream okay Okay. Well, we're going to power through here. It looks like, yeah, we're going to power through here. If, uh, if you guys, it's definitely still going on, uh, on the YouTube side. If people are watching on Facebook, we appreciate you, uh, staying with us here. It's, uh, it's a, looks like it's a Facebook issue, not a overall internet issue. So just hang with us and we'll, uh, We'll keep going through this. Um, Otherwise, so, uh, jump over to to uh, YouTube. Yeah, jump over to the How About That Cigar channel on YouTube, and you'll see it there. Um, so, yeah, thanks. We'll keep going here. Um, so, so James, this is uh, specifically, like I said, about the um, the limiteds, you know, whether it's the Bishop's Blend, the, uh, the Boondock, and, and a few others. Um, you, you know, you find inspiration in so many different places in, in art, whether it's music or or design cigars, whatever it could be, you find inspiration from different places. Um, what, wh- where do you kind of draw your inspiration from, and what makes you decide that okay, this this inspiration is actually worth pursuing and worth building a project around? Um. You know, I draw inspiration from everything. You know, my my childhood, movies, music, pop culture, um, art, uh, pretty much from anywhere, you know. And, and it's it just kind of depends. I mean, we've obviously got a whole ton of, of ideas that have never seen the light of day, uh, at least yet. Um, but, you know, it's just kind of we've we just find the right thing that works for that particular cigar you know like i said i i I feel like it gives the cigar an identity it kind of tells a story and um you know i think that you know you never know where it comes from you know with the like the bishop's blend for example we started playing around with with vitolas um i knew i wanted to do kind of a conical point on the end of the cigar uh just for something different you know and as we were working on it uh, one of the Roleras said, oh, it looks like the, you know, the, the Pope's hat. Oh, okay. and so, you know, the name kind of grew out of that, you know, so you just never know where yeah. an idea or inspiration is going to come from. No, that's cool. I, I, li- I like that because, um, you know, sometimes, like you said, it's just a, it's just a comment that comes from, you know, somebody in the factory that says, you know, and, and next thing you know, I, and that blend has been, that's one of those blends that comes out every year and, and people go, they kind of go ape shit over it, which is, which is fantastic. And people, people pursue it as soon as it hits the market, people are like, okay, I gotta, I gotta find this. And they, they sell out pretty, pretty quickly from the, the vendors who carry it. And um, how do you, do you, do you always pursue it based on, you know, because obviously you could, you could sell way more of those than you make, but, you have a limit, you know, there's only so much tobacco to go around that actually fits that blend and makes the blend correct. So, um, do you pursue things that way from the standpoint of the, you know, the product versus, you know, the, the market demand? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, for us, the reality is, is, you know, 
it's all about tobacco, you yeah. know, and, and the, with the tobacco that we use, there is, uh, you know, not an infinite supply. So our uh, limited production numbers are solely based on how many cigars we can actually produce with the, with the types of tobaccos that we're working with, you know, and for, for Bishop, for example, you know, we've been fortunate the last few years, it's been a right around the, you know, four to 500 box per Vitola, uh, um, quantity, uh, which is obviously not enough, uh, for the market, but you know, it, it is what it is. And yeah. You know. Well, and people, you know, and other brands too, that, you know, put out limited releases. Um, you know, if, if people, uh, if people know those things are coming out, then, you know, they will, they'll, they'll make the effort to go out there and, and get their hands on it. And, um, one of the things also that, uh, specifically with the Blackworks. Uh, like you mentioned, the 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 Green Hornet uh, and the Killer Bee, those blends not only from a from the standpoint of of flavor and aroma, but also from the look, you know, because there there are little uh, there are little hints of uh, different types of tobacco, whether it's uh, you know lighter shades of tobacco here and there, and and those you get those those little bits of of those different flavors that come into the blend. How I mean. I've got to imagine there's so much experimentation that goes into getting the blends right from a flavor and aroma perspective while also getting the look that you want. That's got to be a really tricky process. What does that look like when you, when you have a, you know, like, cause like you said earlier, sometimes the, uh, the name comes first and, and the blend comes second and vice versa or, or vice versa. So, um, when you when you have you know those flavor and aroma profiles that you want from a cigar, but you also want it to look a certain way with with different color nuances in the wrappers, how do you how much experimentation goes into that before before you nail it? Oh, quite a bit. Yeah, okay. I mean, I would say even with a basic cigar, you know, that doesn't have all of those cosmetic attributes to it, um, a lot goes into it. You know. Uh, for a cigar that's going to be a, a, a general production cigar, I mean, it, it takes a quite a long time in terms of tweaks and and things like that and aging it for a certain amount of time before you before you try it and then you know if you want to change anything else you're back to the drawing board and starting that process all over um but you know the killer bee and the green hornet uh the green hornet especially uh you know i designed that blend to work with the candela that we use in it you know the whole idea is that through the smoking of that cigar, you, you constantly get a little hint of that candela, you know, just to, just enough to know that it's there. Um, but it's a really kind of unique balance with the rest of the filler tobaccos, uh, that are used. Um, so that, that cigar was built around the idea of kind of highlighting candela, but in a very subtle way. Yeah. And there's, that's one of the, the things that, and we, we discussed it briefly last on last week's show, you know, that Candela has, you know, it's, it's very, uh, it, it can be very just really pronounced and, and has very, um, you know, intense, you know, whether it's grassiness or floral or whatever it is. But, um, the, the, the green Hornet for me, if, if I had to choose, you know, for instance, between the green Hornet and the, and the killer bee, I enjoy both, but I've always found myself gravitating a little more toward the green Hornet. Because I like the I like the balance between, like you said, those little hints of of candela that you get against the spice and uh, that that 
that really rich, you know, Maduro note that's there too, you know, from the, from that really, uh, rich, heavy, uh, tobacco also. And, um, those, those tasting notes really come out and, and, uh, I rambling on here, but that's just one of those cigars that, that from the first time I tried it, I really, really enjoyed the balance of that blend. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also the, the cigar that, you know, similar to your question earlier, you know, if somebody was to ask me to choose a cigar that represents, uh, you know, what we do at our factory, I would definitely hand them a Green Hornet because I think it is really one of the most unique blends out there um, yeah. because the way it, it is kind of put together and, you, you know, with the Candela kind of working throughout the blend as you smoke it. And... Um, I know that I, I don't remember exactly when it started, but I know for a while uh, you guys have been doing uh, factory tours and tell us about uh, why you decided to start doing factory tours and, you know, what it is that you want the consumers and, and even retailers who, who join in on those factory tours, what it is that you're trying to get across to them and help them understand uh, when, when you do those tours. Yeah, so we've been doing them now for, I think it's our third year. Um, we, we do a very limited number a year. We do only, you know, between four to six a year. Um, but the reason we started was, you know, it, it's hard, you know, even for me to sit here and, and, you know, be on a show like this or to through social media or whatever to really convey to people exactly what it is we do on the factory side and, and how much we are different than a lot of other cigar manufacturers out there, you know, so the factory is the perfect stage for us to kind of drive that home to retailers and also consumers, you know, because the way our factory operates, the way that it looks, you know, everything about it um, speaks to the brand. It speaks to Black Label, Black Works, Dissident, Emilio, the whole Oveja lineup, you know, is just represented in, in, in the daily process of what we do there. Um, you know, and for me, it's great to see, especially consumers, you know, get to see the entire process. It kind of changes their view on cigar making, on, you know, tobacco in general, when they see how much goes into it. And, you know, um, when they come back to the States, I think they just have a much for the process and, and, you know, what goes into making a cigar. Um, and I just like to, to open people's eyes up to that, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to switch gears for just a second here and uh, talk about those J's behind you. <laughs> um, now, I'm a number four guy. What, what's your what, what are your pair of kicks? Um, soft spot uh, ones and fours are. You know, uh, now I do. Uh, but yeah, definitely, uh, you know, when it comes to Jordans, I'm, I'm a huge Jordan one guy. Awesome. When did, uh, when did the obsession start for you? Um, you know, I was always into shoes as a kid. I mean, I still remember my first pair of Jordan ones. I remember my first pair of Jordan fours, Jordan threes, um, you know, and it, it was kind of, a few years ago, uh, you know, like in 2018, Nike really kind of stepped up their game as far as bringing back a lot of the uh, the original 
mm-hmm. stuff. You know, they've been kind of doing it off and on over the years, but they had never really brought back the same quality. They'd never really done it to the point where, uh, where people were that interested in it. And the shoes just weren't great in my opinion. Um, so really like 2018 is when, you know, things started coming back that were really unique and interesting and, and much better quality. And so that kind of sparked my interest then to be able to kind of, you know, relive my childhood, basically, you know, all those mm-hmm. same things that I was into then I'm, I'm still into now. So, yeah. And one other thing that's, that's completely not cigar related, but I've always been curious about, cause I know with, you know, the, the adventure travel company, you know, back in the day, and I've seen a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of your posts and, and you, you've talked a lot in the past about the, uh, the Range Rover Defenders and being a novice, I don't know the first thing about them. I think they look badass, but I don't know if I don't know the first thing about them. What is the for for a guy like me who doesn't know what it's all about? What is the draw to that vehicle? Is it the is it the coolness factor or is it the fact that they're they're built like a brick shit house and they'll never break down? What's the what's the draw? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. So, you know, for me, like my my first car was a 1986 Land Rover Range Rover. Um, you know, and so I've always had a soft spot for it. And I always loved that idea that Land Rover was able to portray that this vehicle can literally take you anywhere, you know? And so it's kind of this, you know, romantic ideal that they paint through advertising. Um, but then come to find out it is a reality. And so, you know, my wife and I, we were both super into Land Rovers and, you know, we built this entire trip to Africa around our Land Rover and, you know, built an entire mm-hmm. business in Guatemala around Land Rovers. And that was the thing is we specialized in getting people to the most remote places in Central America, you know, so it's all hundred percent vehicle dependent travel. Um, and Land Rover is kind of the thing to do it in. Um, so those, but, so those are vehicles that just, they just keep going. They can get you to places that, that no other commercial vehicle can get you to. Right. I mean, you know, we really. Speed them up and and they just keep going. So, you know, we've we've done pretty much everything you could imagine in a in a Land Rover Defender and they've always got us through. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's and and the uh, there's just something about them because I even spent, you know, just preparing show notes and stuff for for today's show. I was. I was looking around and, and just scrolling through pictures online. And those, those are really sexy vehicles. I mean, seriously, the, some mm-hmm. of them, some of them, and I tended to, and you, I don't know if you're the same way, but, but looking at all the, all the range of different uh, types that are out there, you know, from the newest, highest end, most just blinged out, ridiculous Range Rovers, you know, to the ones and the ones that I gravitated towards scrolling through those pictures were the ones that looked like they were beat to hell because they just yeah. they you could tell that there were stories in those vehicles and they were used. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's just one thing that I love about them is, you know, the obviously people there's a mass appeal to how they look. Everybody loves the, the style of a defender, you know. <laughs> And, but, you know, when you've been in Defender and you've used it for what it's intended for, and it's kind of been your go-to, your lifeline, you know, it's just definitely a bond that doesn't break easily. So I think I'll definitely always have a Defender uh, in my life, or I hope so. So of all the places that you had a chance to 
travel and explore, you know, in, in the time that you've been doing it. And obviously you're still going to have a lot more time to, to travel and ex- explore the world. But to this point, what is the place that, that really kind of grabbed a hold of you the most, a place that you, you either, it caused you to go back and visit again and again, or a place that you long to go back and visit again? Um, you know, we, we based our business in Central America, so obviously we were in the jungles all the time. And as much as I love the jungle, um, it would definitely be North Africa. Um, so we spent, you know, about nine and a half months traveling completely off the grid in North Africa. And, you know, that was just probably one of the most amazing times of my life. You know, just literally being in the middle of Sahara in the middle of nowhere traveling only by GPS waypoints, you know, and seas wow. of sand dunes. Um, and yeah, I mean, you just, you can't find that in, in many places on the planet anymore. So uh, that definitely is a place that I would love to go back to and kind of relive that experience. Wow. Yeah. That's um, so how many, uh, do you, do you recall how many, um, how many countries in total you've been to? I really don't. 30 about 30 okay that's man yeah. that's awesome that's awesome um well james let's uh let's shift a little bit into each week we do a smokabulary word so we talk about uh, a word that's really only related to the cigar industry or a word that's been sort of repurposed for a different part of the cigar industry um and uh this week's smokabulary word, and let me uh, let me pull this up too, because our smokabulary word, as always, is brought to you by, and I cannot find my notes here. There we go. Uh, our smokabulary word is brought to you by. I'm so professional. AJ, where Fernandez. is my where is my uh, where is my copy? I'm such a professional. Sorry, guys. It's uh, with the internet stuff. I've been losing my mind here tonight. Uh, the vocabulary words brought to you by AJ Fernandez, and there we go. Born and raised in Cuba, AJ Fernandez now produces unparalleled premium cigars in Esteli, Nicaragua. The day-to-day operations at Tabacalera AJ Fernandez are managed under the watchful eye of Mr. AJ Fernandez himself. The AJ Fernandez portfolio of portfolio of premium cigars provides blend, strength, and flavor profiles to match the preferences of any premium cigar consumer, whether it's New World. Dias de Gloria, San Lutano, Enclave, or Beas Artes, you are sure to be satisfied with a premium cigar from A.J. Fernandez. So this week's smokabulary word is suckers. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, suckers, for for those of you watching and listening, um, suckers is referring to tobacco plants. Uh, And James, you can probably speak to this a little bit, too. You know, they're the, the little shoots that, that start to grow and they, they start pulling nutrients away from the leaves that you want to keep, that, that you want to use for those good primings. And uh, so I don't, and I don't honestly know, James, you can speak to it. I don't know how they do it, but I assume uh, workers in the fields go through and they find those suckers and do they just pluck them off and chuck them on the ground? How does that work? Um, yeah. Just okay. That's pretty much it. So they just pluck them yeah. off of there so that they don't pull those nutrients away from the leaves that are eventually going to end up being those good primings that end up in your, in, uh, in our cigars. I did not know that. That's it. Suckers. That is this week's smokabulary word brought to you by AJ Fernandez. And now it's time for numero de los muertos. 
And this week's Numero de los Muertos is brought to you by Oveja Negra Brands. They bring you premium smoking experience forged from tobacco, time, and talent. Comprised of Black Label Trading Company, Black Work Studio, Dissident, and Emilio. Oveja Negra Brands provide smokers uncompromising blends renowned for their flavor and lasting impression. Oveja Negra, where art and tobacco collide. Join the flock. Visit OvejaNegraCigars.com to learn more. And James, thank you for being a sponsor of How yeah. About That Cigar. The, uh, the number this week is 2 million people. What? 2 million people. Now, I will say, and uh, this is going to be tough to give clues for, but just bear with me a little bit. We will get there. Um, that number comes from a two uh, uh, a two hundred year gap. So I'll get to the <laughs> to the time frame as as we start guessing and, and getting down there. Okay. So this is the. I think this may be the the highest number we've had on this on this show so it far. Is. So two. <clears throat> so I want to go back here. Two million a year. Nope. Total. Not, okay, so in in as between far as between a two hundred year gap, when did the two hundred year gap start? Well, oh, would that give it away? It could. So, so there was a we'll so, say, so there was a two hundred year period. Actually, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Uh, there is a uh, it's a it's a three hundred year gap between fifteen hundred and eighteen hundred when those two million deaths occurred. Correct. Okay, so that's our time frame between the year 1500 and 1800. Mm-hmm. Two million people died from this. Uh, I'm at a loss. James, you got anything? I got nothing right now. Smallpox? That's a good guess. No, sir. It's not small. It Was it, a, um, was it some kind of a disease? Yes. It, okay, so it was a disease of some kind. Oh. 1,500 and 1,800. Um, so that was right around the tail end of the 100-years war, I think. Pretty sure. Um, was it... The plague? It is not the plague. Not the plague. The plague was, I think maybe the plague was earlier than that. I don't know. Um, plague was earlier than that. Yep. Um, so the uh, the first moniker that this disease had was called Purpura uh, Nautica. Nautica. So something to do with sailing. I'm sailing. I'm a sailor. I'm a sailor. I sail. Um, something. Um, what was? Well, yes. I was just yes. You beat me to it, James. Good. So it was so between fifteen hundred and eighteen hundred. <laughs> yep. Two million people. Two, two million million people. The population of the Earth wasn't even very high back in. <laughs> 1500 and here's so in researching this this is actually a fascinating disease do you know there's only two mammals 
um, in, in the animal kingdom that don't produce vitamin C naturally. It's humans and guinea pigs. Those were the two things that were um, both susceptible to scurvy. And um, so for the longest time, they thought the only thing that would cure it, and they didn't know why until 1932, um, that it was, uh, it, they would eat citrus fruits and citric, um, put citric acid in things to cure the scurvy. Um, and for those who don't know scurvy, um, you get all these bruises over all over your body, and then you uh, your gums swell and your teeth start to fall out. Um, it's it, it was a terrible, terrible disease, um, and they thought it you could only cure it by these, uh, by, by citrus fruits. But then when explorers in the 1800s started going to the different poles and especially the, the North pole where they ran into Inuits, they weren't susceptible to scurvy. And it's because seal meat actually contains a high volume of vitamin C just naturally. That is crazy. I, I didn't even realize that there were any meat proteins that contain vitamin C. I honestly, I had, no, I honestly had no idea. I didn't either. That's crazy. So uh little, uh little fun facts for <laughs> you about scurvy. That's unbelievable. So uh guys, that, that was, uh that was, that was weird, dark, but uh very informational. Well, you know, I, I wanted to do <laughs> something, you know, kind of dark related, uh you know, for, Black Label Trading Company. And <laughs> and James and, is like, uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so I was looking at, you know, pirate stuff and all this different stuff. And scurvy came up and I was like, yeah, I'll do scurvy. I like that. Yeah. I like that. It, cool. it, uh, it ties into the, uh, uh, the Jolly Roger. <laughs> um, so, guys, that is this week's Numero de los Muertos. Uh, so, James, these questions are completely non-cigar related. They are just for fun. If you could choose to hear the thoughts of one living person for 10 minutes, who would it be and why? Mm. Wow, that's a tough one. We've had a lot of different answers up to this one on the show. Because if you think about it, that's, that's a lot of responsibility. Even even just to think about hearing somebody's thoughts for ten minutes—that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, maybe my wife. Brave man. That's a brave answer. It's a rare answer. I've all, I think that might only be the second yeah. I think, second time. I think it is. But yeah, there there are times I'm with you. There are times that I want to hear yeah. my wife's thoughts, um, and then there there are times that I definitely don't. Um, and usually it's times that I know I've, I've screwed up that I don't want to hear her thoughts. So one, anytime a conversation starts with, Hey, you know, we really need, you know, we need to get some potatoes and, and then a few minutes later, we're talking about the neighbor's dog, like within, it's like, what just happened? (laughs) We were just making a grocery grocery list. Yeah. Then we've been on a 20 minute rant about the neighbor's dog. Yeah. We've all been there. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so, James, if you were about to get into a fight, what soundtrack music would come on? No, uh, Wu-Tang for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes! I yeah. knew that was, was going to be the answer. I was, I'm so happy you said that. I had to be Love the answer. It. That had to yeah. be the answer. Got to have some Method Man up in here. <laughs> yeah. Hell yes. Um, so, James, I don't know if you're a sports fan at all, but if you had to choose one of the following, you could hit a home run as a starting pitcher, you could score a touchdown as a defensive lineman, or you could score a goal in a hockey game as the goalie. Are any of those actually feasibly possible? Yes. They all are. They're, oh, rare. Okay. They're all rare. Um, let's see. I'll, uh, I'll go with the uh, hit a home run. Awesome. That's good. That That's the most popular answer. It is. Uh, because that's so, I mean, it's just ridiculously rare. Pitchers, pitchers don't hit. That's and then we got to the do that. Is. We got to add uh, for our next season, whenever we decide that is, uh, we got to add the net to net. Yeah, the net to net, the uh, the soccer goalie scoring uh, coast to coast because that's that's also pro- maybe more rare than any of them. But uh, it's happened. But it, does, it has happened. Um, uh, so James, if uh, if you know, hope, hopefully things level out here in the world and we're able to get back to a normal sort of uh, day to day operations or with with everything with you know, around the world. If, if the, uh, if the PCA trade show happens this summer, do you guys think you're going to be there? Oh yeah, we'll definitely be there. Awesome. Yeah. Good. Cool. Yeah. Good. I'm glad to hear for that. Sure. Good. Yeah. We're there every year. You know, it's always a great show for us. So yeah, no, no reason we would miss it this year if it's going on. So yeah, we're looking, we're looking forward to it and hopefully, you know, there's no cancellations on that. Yeah. And um, you don't have to, you know, divulge anything specific, but do you have any um, uh, new projects that you're working on that you're hoping to uh, release uh, over the course of the the rest of the year? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, (laughs) you you know, it's coming out. It's going to be Bishop's Blends. That's that's already stateside. So we're looking out, you know, as soon as uh, things get a little bit more back. Yeah. Sorry, you broke up a little. Can you go back and just we, start we that, broke yeah. up a little? Yep, start that answer over. Yep. Uh, so we got Bishop's Blend uh, coming out. Uh, that's going to be our, our uh, quickest release. Uh, that's already stateside, uh, ready to go. So as soon as things calm down a little bit, get back to normal, that's going to be hitting retailers. So we're excited about that. It's our fifth anniversary with that cigar. Um, so we changed it up a little bit, packaging. Uh, we're also doing a limited edition uh, Lancero that we've never mm. done before in the Bishop, so we're excited about that. And then we got a you know a, a new trade show exclusive um, that's going to be coming out. It's going to be a very very cool addition to one of our lines. Um, and then we also have a couple of other other new projects that'll be launching this summer as well. So uh, yeah, lots lots of cool stuff coming out. And as far as the the size that you guys are now, is that a sweet spot for you? Are you wanting to grow more? What? Where do you see yourself? Um, we have a little room to grow. I mean, obviously, we're a factory like ours is going to be constricted by tobacco, you know. Right. And, and with the tobacco that we use, um, there's going to be a, a plateau uh, that we're going to hit. Um, you know, if things keep going as they are for us, uh, you know, which is 
growing, 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 which is awesome. We'll probably hit that plateau in the next year, year and a half, um, you know, and, and that's a comfortable place for us to be. So, awesome. um, yeah. Nice. Um, so, James, if you could give one piece of advice to a brand new premium cigar consumer, what would it be? Um, you know, I would just tell people to definitely, you know, look outside the box. Don't, don't go by what other people tell you and, you know, try everything that's out there. Try it once. Um, and I would also say, don't ever judge a cigar by your first experience with it. You know, if you're, it depends on what you're eating, what you're drinking, where you are, what you're doing, you know? So, um, if you're going to try out a new brand, a new cigar, definitely give it a, you know, a few cigars worth try and, and really get into it before you, you make a judgment call on it. Um, but you know, I would just say, try everything, you know, because you'll never know what's going to be your personal likes or dislikes. And, yeah. uh, you know, don't go by ratings. Don't go by anything else. Just give it a go. You know, definitely. Absolutely. Um, so if you could also, uh, give one piece of advice to a brick and mortar retailer, what would that be? Um, you know, I think it's, it's an interesting time for brick and mortar retailers. You know, I would say, you know, just keep doing what you're doing and do it well. You know, I mean, customer service goes a hell of a long way with people. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times, even if people are more geared towards buying online and things like that, create those relationships with people, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to come back to you and buy from you and, you know, so I think that's that's kind of key for those guys right now is to really just, you know, keep fighting the good fight and, you know, but just make sure you're taking care of your people and taking care of your customers and, you know, they'll stick with you. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's uh, let's talk about notable smokables um, this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so each week we talk about a couple things we smoked that was interesting. And there's this brand that I've seen for years um, well i mean not a long time maybe three years i've seen this brand and i i always shied away from it because it it seemed just a little strange to me but uh because there's a the cigar has just a there's a this skinny little band on the cigar and right above it what is a is a piece of gold leaf that's uh that's basically the you know the the vegetable gum is used to hold that gold leaf on there yeah and it's it's Cavalier is the brand. And so for the first time ever, I said, what the hell? I'm going to try one. I smoked one. The cigar itself was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I don't see myself going out and, uh, you know, purchasing multiple boxes of the cigar, but it was enjoyable. But I have to say, because I, I've, I've found out ahead of time before I smoked the cigar, that you can smoke it into where that gold leaf is on there. But I do not recommend you do that. <laughs> Don't do it. It's that once that once the burn line starts to go into that gold leaf, you will know it. It's like chewing on aluminum foil. It is not pleasant. I don't recommend it. Don't do it. Uh, but aside from that, before I got to that, the cigar was. You're, you're was, kind of on the fence there. The with cigar, the- <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, a little dicey on yeah. the, the whole good or bad thing. Yeah, but, uh, don't do it. Uh, but yeah, it's an enjoyable cigar. But when the burn line gets to the gold Set it down. Is that an ultra premium? On uh, that? I I don't know. I mean, do you remember? Do you know the price point on that? Oh oh, it was 
14 bucks. Oh, okay. So for a Toro. So that's not bad. Uh, it was, it was enjoyable, but uh, yeah, when it gets to the gold, set it down. And uh, when I was, when we were done at Ristafari, uh, I found a three pack of these Nestor Mirandas that were the old, old Nestor Mirandas in the old. Uh, oh yeah. That cardboard pack. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. So I had the Maduro and it was lights out. It yeah. was so good. The cello was nasty. And uh, no, it smoked beautifully. Very rich flavors. Good, good cigar. Those are quality blends. Um, and James, again, we talked before we went live, but you you pretty much spend your time smoking uh, your own stuff, which is completely understandable. Um, so just, I, I will... Um, just going kind of into the, the Oveja Negra family, um, it, something from maybe whether it was distant or Emilio, uh, that you, um, you know, that you fired up in the last couple of days, um, you know, give us an idea about, you know, something from one of those two families of, uh, of brands from Oveja Negra that, um, uh, that you can tell us a little bit about. Um, yeah. So with, uh, Emilio, we have the, uh, the La Musa, which we just relaunched uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago. Uh, that's a cigar we're super excited to get out on the market again. Um, so we kind of revamped it, gave it the uh, the Obeja treatment, and uh, uh, really interesting cigar, very complex. It's definitely going to be more in that medium uh, wheelhouse. Uh, so totally different than Black Label Black Works, um, which is always fun for us to work on projects like that. Um, but I think it turned out really well, um, smoking quite a few of them. So I'm excited to have those out there. Nice. Um, when it comes to dissident, I mean, I'm a huge, you know, it's kind of funny because I tend to be kind of more bigger, bolder, the better, uh, type cigar smoker. Um, but you know, the dissident smoke, uh, soapbox, I smoke that on a consistent basis. And it's just one of those cigars that is definitely going to be on the lighter spectrum of what we make out of our factory. But just has that complexity that um, I just, I find myself craving over and over again. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and my, my only other notable this week uh, was actually, um, it wasn't from this week. It was from maybe two weeks ago before the cigar shops closed. And I, I bought a couple cigars from the humidor here at Sodi's and sat down. Uh, and I think we were watching hockey and, and uh, I grabbed one of the, um, the classic uh, EP Carrillo, the, yeah. the, the dusk with the black and blue band on it with that super dark uh, wrapper on it. And, you know, that's a cigar that I fell in love with years ago and uh, smoked another one uh, a few weeks ago here and, and just was kind of reminded. Yeah. I always remembered why I like this cigar. So yep. definitely a good one. And then for me, you know, and I know I've said it a few times, but I'm going to continue to advocate for uh, the Nugs 100 is a beautiful, nightcap cigar um that cbd does come through it relaxes me and it does help me to sleep um and it's just a good cigar so i've been enjoying the hell out of those uh, that we got down at uh safari and yep yeah i had a and and this is just real talk i had a 
I had a bad experience and James already mentioned, you know, you never judge a cigar by just one experience. And, and I, I learned my lesson years ago to not do that because there was a cigar that I hated the first time that, that I then ended up being one of my favorites. But, um, uh, my, my one experience with that hundred was not good. Um, just because I got one that was, um, it, it really had a, the, some draw issues and that it happens. It's a, you know, it's a handmade product. I totally get it. I'll totally revisit it and try it again. But, um, you know, that's another one of those examples where if you have a bad experience, just like James said, go back and try that cigar again, because, um, it, you know, could be, and plus we had just come off six hours on the road. So that might not have been the best choice for me to smoke right then. But, um, you know, go back and revisit a cigar if you don't have a good experience the first time. Um, so going forward guys, um, you know, we're, we, we may or may not be here, um, at Sodi's, you know, we're, we're going to be here as long as they, you know, the shop is available to us to have, you know, because the shop's not open. We just privately do the podcast in here, um, right now because the shop's not open, but, um, as the weather warms up, you know, we may be back in the, uh, in the studio at my house, uh, doing the show. We'll just kind of play it by ear yep. and see how it goes. Uh, but we do have some really cool stuff coming up in the coming weeks. Um, next week on the 31st, we're going to talk to Terrence Riley from Aganorsa Leaf. And then um, on uh, April 7th, that that date is open, but I'm thinking about possibly doing um, sort of a community uh, community herf maybe on the show. Uh, we experiment, try that out just for fun. Uh, but then a week after that, normally on Tuesday nights, but we're going to shift one day earlier. We're going to go instead of Tuesday the 14th, we're going to be on Monday the 13th. Uh, and we're going to talk to Will Cooper, Cigar Coop himself on the show. And then on the 21st, um, of April, we're going to talk to Klaus Kellner from Davidoff. Very excited for the coming weeks of the show and, uh, you know, continue to, uh, uh, tune in. Sorry. We had some issues with Facebook live tonight, but YouTube is still solid and we will make sure to keep, you know, we'll put links from directly to the YouTube video on the Facebook page so that since the Facebook feed died, people will still be able to watch that. And for the audio podcast, as always, I'll take the audio, convert it and put it on the audio channel as soon as possible. Uh, James, just as a final closer, give people an idea where they can uh, learn more about um, Black Label Trading Company and all the Oveja Negra family and uh, where they can get that information. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Definitely check out our website, so ovejanegracigars.com. Um, you know, that's going to highlight, you know, all the brands that we have coming out of the factory right now. Uh, and then also through social media, you know, we have the Black Label Trading Company page, the Blackwork Studio page, uh, Instagram as well, uh, under Blackwork Studios and Blackwork Trade or Black Label Trading Company. Um, so, yeah, go out and give us a follow and check out what we got going on. Awesome. Awesome. We appreciate it, James, and uh, and uh, for all you guys who have been, uh, you know, stuck in your houses and stuck in, uh, you know, your uh, garage smoking studio or wherever it is you smoke, we appreciate you continuing to stay active in the cigar culture. Like we said earlier, call your brick and mortar shops and place an order, uh, do a curbside pickup so we can keep them. Uh, you know, keep them uh, healthy and, and, and in business. Um, and until we see you guys next time, burn cigars, not bridges. Thanks, guys. See ya. <laughs>